You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, where myself... Matt Lane, Craig Stout, we all get together, talk some ball, talk about last week's game, look ahead to next week's opponents, and uh, there's plenty to cover this week. Um, Looking ahead a little bit to the Patriots game, a huge game coming up on Sunday night. Speaking of that, uh, we have an Arrowhead Pride watch party on uh, Sunday, October 14th. It's at the other place in Overland Park. It's over on 80th Street. First 50 people in the door get Arrowhead Pride t-shirts. Uh, first drinks on us. Enter You can enter to win a $100 StubHub gift card. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think the tickets are 5 bucks on Eventbrite. You can find them. There's links everywhere. I, there, I've got a link on my account. Uh, Pete's got a link on his. There's, there's plenty of links all over the Arrowhead Pride site. You'll be able to find it pretty easily. So um, be sure to check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there. Joel Thorne is going to be there. The blog father, Ali Trost is going to be there. I think we might even have a couple more contributors there as well. But uh, so, yeah, get your tickets. Depending on when you're listening to this, there might still see, be some available. So um, we got a lot to talk about with this football team, though. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about him real quick. I This was the first game after the Denver Monday Night Football win on short rest. Um and this felt like Patrick Mahomes' team officially for the first time. You know, plenty of guys get excited about what they've seen from this kid so far on this team. But seeing you know him check off so many boxes by going out and beating a good team, well, a good defense <laughs> on the road um, in prime time, down 10, doing it in the fourth quarter, that I think kind of galvanized this team a little bit and and shifted it towards Patrick Mahomes. This is his team now, and I think we're starting to kind of see that a little bit. Um, so um, this this kind of felt different. It felt more like the team has a guy that they know can take them all the way to a Super Bowl. Not just be really good. Not just having a phenomenal stretch and be a special talent, but is just he's rising to the occasion and being a guy in the biggest moments. And that's that's a big key for this. And I think that's part of what we saw uh, on Sunday, the energy that people were feeding off of on both sides of the ball, the fearlessness that he kind of carries with him. I think we saw that. And uh, that's really exciting. And it's, it's really something that kind of keep an eye on moving forward. Um, I thought he had a pretty good game, actually. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, there was a couple of mistakes. We'll talk about those in a second. But overall, there was just a lot to like about his performance. Um, some really impressive throws that there's only a few people on the planet that can make. Um, you know that throw to um, that throw to Anthony Sherman on that first third and one was really nice. 
wanted to hit the running back in the flat, didn't like it, worked to the second, to a second or third read. Uh, Sherman on that corner route. I mean, that was that was nice. The the guy in his face just delivers a strike. Perfect, you know, perfect. It was a perfect play. It was fantastic. Um, then you look at, you know, throwing to Travis Kelsey, that, that kind of touch pass over the top to Travis Kelsey, moved away from backside pressure, stepped up against fresh frontside pressure, and just lobbed it with timing and touch over the top to Kelsey. Uh, one thing I don't I don't want people to forget about that play either is and it's it's I wrote about this on Arrow at Pride it'll be up by the time this pod goes up is just I mean understanding that space that void that he had to deliver that ball to was was really impressive in and of itself like he just he has a complete understanding of what's going on he's able to process quick and he he's got a good feel for what's going on there so um, it was just it was a very impressive throw. And it, there was more. There was more than just those two. There was there was plenty of balls and, and plenty of throws to be excited about. I thought that that slant, that little delay uh, slant that Kelsey ran, that he kind of had to hang on to the ball a little bit before he, and he was he was facing pressure, but held on a little bit second and just let that ball explode out of his hands with some drive to let Kelsey finish that route was just that was impressive too. Um, just a lot to be excited about there. A uh, couple interceptions. These first couple interceptions of the season. Um, the first one, uh, he kind of talked about overstriding a little bit. Um, I, I have plenty of experience overstriding. I was a guy that played pitcher in the spring and quarterback in the fall. And so like you have to continue to, to make sure to make sure that those movements and stuff are consistent when you're, when you're transitioning from baseball back to football. And, um, I think a lot of baseball players and former baseball players have to kind of fight that urge especially a guy like him that played baseball all his life. There's, there's this, this kind of habit of, of overstriding and in, in, in a situation where there's rain overstriding can become a pretty big problem. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll fix that and he'll, he'll work on that and that'll get better over time. The other, the other pick, the second pick in the second half was, I just don't think it was a great decision. Um, I think, you know, he's trying to hit Demarcus Robinson on the crossers, the third and two, Driving in there, I think it was a third down. Driving in their territory, I just I don't love it. I don't love the decision. Um, even if I, I don't think I don't think Demarcus Robinson ran the right route, I think he started drifting upfield. But even if he had tight window back, kind of back into the play a little bit from where he was sitting, I think um, just it wasn't it wasn't a great decision. There's guys there's guys closing behind and in front of him, uh, so you know. But still, you know, all this was done in the rain. This whole game was in the rain. Um, and you don't forget about that. This was this was a very good performance in the rain. And um, against the elements, against a very good defensive football team in the Jaguars, um, I think he earned the respect of some other guys. I think he earned the respect of Barry Church. I think Barry Church has been mentioned that, you know, the guy's the real deal. Um, even though Telvin Smith was too busy laughing, um, I think – I think he probably uh, he probably has some respect there too. Some of these guys that were kind of kind of wounded after the game, they know they know uh, Patrick Mahomes is the real deal, and I think Chiefs fans should be excited about who they've got. Um, it, it, it this is real. This isn't this isn't fake. You know, this is a sustainable um, performance. Uh, for Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be able to continue to do a lot of the same things he's doing. It's not always going to be four touchdowns, no picks, and you know, remarkable efficiency, but it's it's special. And he's gonna he's the kind of guy that can win you games when it matters the most. 
Um, so there's a, it, it, it's real. It's very real. Um, we'll bring Maddie on here in a little bit. We'll bring Craig on after that. And then we'll do a big nerd squad mailbag as we always do. Lots to talk about both, uh, both sides of the football. So, uh, we'll get going here in a second. Uh, jump in after this. And now it's time to bring on Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. How you doing, man? Good. How's it going? Can't, how's Alabama? It's all right. I'm actually I'm a lot closer to you than I normally am. Right. I sh- should have drove down there. We could be having out, hanging out at the distillery together instead of you solo. No, I wasn't at a distillery. Thank you very much. It mm, was your just tweet said no, otherwise. No, that that's not what happens. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, can we talk about football now? We can try. I <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I wanted to talk. I know you're writing about a lot of the young guys that had to step up for the Jaguars game. Uh, depth kind of got tested a little bit this week. Uh, what you think about Jordan Lucas? Man, Jordan Lucas was a lot of fun. Big props to Craig for pointing him out because he's kind of been talking about him since the game happened live and everything. So I had to make sure I wrote him down, went back and watched him and. The kid went out there and played like it was impressive. You're going to start hearing a lot more over the next couple days and probably the week of people starting to break down his film and really liking what they saw out of him. And I mean, if you don't want to do it yourself, you can always check out Arrowhead Pride probably tomorrow morning, I'm guessing, is when it's going to drop or head over to my Twitter at Chief in Carolina and you can find everything you need on Jordan Lucas before it gets anywhere else. But the kid was great. Like the way he sees the field as somebody that's barely played in the NFL is it's crazy good. And then he just flies around everywhere. He plays at a different speed than our other safeties have been showing so far this year. Well, that's not hard to do because we play at a different speed than our safeties at this point. Um, that a few plays on our defense. I was, yeah, I was pretty impressed by uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, that interception. Came like from the, the far hash, right? Yeah, so he was in a single high spot, and the Jaguars had four wide, so it was a two-by-two formation, and they ran four verticals with kind of a post and a little bit of a over route above it, and he did a good job of kind of staying close to one side but was angled towards the other one so he could break on either ball, and as soon as Bortles went to step into the throw that was rushed a little bit, he was able to come back over the top of the post, and when the ball sailed over the receiver, he was right there, and then as he said in his interview afterwards, once he got the ball in his hand, he just returned to middle school, and he was just trying real hard People want to talk about that Nuke Hopkins catch and run in overtime. I mean, it was great, but I mean, are we not going to pretend like Jordan Lucas didn't do the same thing first? That's that's true. And so, to be fair, though, I mean, trying to break on Blake Bortles' throwing motion, like he's still reeling back for his last throw from the game, still, and it's Tuesday. So, have you seen some of the close-up clips of the ball coming out of Bortles' hands? Have they just come oh. out sideways? I just don't understand how unnatural of a thrower he is. It's he, it's he, stunning. He's a full like people made fun of Tebow for being a fullback that played quarterback, but like he at least could naturally throw a football. Maybe not well, but he could throw it. Bortles just looks like he's holding the ball for dear life, and he just tries to like shot put that thing out every single time. Like he just doesn't know what's gonna happen. He looks like he always has the yips. And it's just, it's it's a sight to behold. Like, it's the most inconsistent mechanics I've ever seen in my life. Enough about Blake Bortles. Why are we talking about Blake Bortles? Uh, how about Armani Watts? Just little, any, any Armani Watts takes after that game? I mean, Watts is starting to get a few more things to click for him. I was actually pretty impressed by his ability in man coverage. He didn't get a lot, tested a whole lot besides in man coverage in this game. Just when he was in a deep zone or even underneath, the ball just never really went near him or he didn't have much to do. 
but he had a couple snaps in man-to-man coverage, and to be fair, they were against Austin Safarian Jenkins, who legitimately is more of a sixth offensive lineman than a tight end, so it's not like he was keeping up with a Travis Kelsey or anything, but he stuck right there with him. He was physical off the line. like He looked to have a better idea of what he was doing in man coverage than he showed in camp, so that was a good, nice, promising sign. Just I didn't get to see them him challenged enough or get put into positions to make enough plays outside of that fourth down stop, which was great. But there just wasn't quite enough to go on to be completely hyped up. And then the unfortunate news came out about his injury. That we're just simply probably not going to see him again this year with the way injured reserve works that now. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to kind of see what happens as far as who gets off of IR first and who has to, you know, like – Three guys on the on the uh, IR right now that you know could potentially come back. So one of these guys for sure is not playing anymore. Um, hey, you know uh, you know who didn't play on uh, on Sunday, Matthew? Who, who did not play? Jesse Bates because he's in Cincinnati. The uh, guy that they took instead, Breland Speaks, did. What'd you see from him? He actually got a lot of run this week. Didn't Jesse Bates still play though on Sunday? He didn't play in Kansas City. Okay, gotcha. Just clearing <laughs> that up. Uh, Man, I, 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 had a, I had a nice joke off the cuff, and I just bombed it like Bortles on half of his throws. And now you're back to Bortles. You really are a quarterback, aren't you? I am. <laughs> All right, no. And speaks. Bortles no, isn't. Speaks no, that's the funny thing. Bortles isn't. So. You heard it here first. Ken Swanson should be the next quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stay tuned. I didn't say that. I didn't say right. that. <laughs> Breland Speaks, you got to move along. Give me some Breland Speaks takes. All right, so uh, interesting game for Breland Speaks. He clearly had his best statistical performance for the Chiefs, and the crazy part is everything came in the fourth quarter. Not the second half or anything like that, but legitimately the fourth quarter. He recorded, I think, they had four, five pressures. Every single one was in the fourth quarter, and he took over late in the first or late in the second quarter. So I mean, he had a long time where he played where he just simply didn't do anything, and this includes against the run or the pass. Like he just was kind of out there taking up space. And then the fourth quarter came around, and after 61 Blake Bortles pass attempts, it just looked like the Jaguars' offensive line was fried, and Speak started to get some pressure. I do got to walk it back a bit. He was going up against the third string left tackle for the Jaguars, who I think is actually slated to be a backup guard for them because Cam Robinson's already out. The backup left tackle left after two or three snaps that Speaks went up against them, and then it was the third string tackle. So it took him a little bit getting into gear, but he showed some promise at least. That's awesome. I mean, I I, I was thinking about – you know, like we've talked a lot about about we talked a lot about Breeling and thinking about like if his they've talked about his motor he doesn't quit he does he keeps going um, theoretically he should get stronger in the fourth quarter when when he's beating people up so maybe that's his path to success is just coming and coming and coming here and and hitting hard and. Um, and beating guys up and then maybe having some success late. Is that his his path to success, maybe? I think for this year, that's going to have to be it. And going forward, I still think he needs to lose a little bit more weight. Like, he still needs to get into, like, NFL edge rusher shape because he's still not there. He has hardly any ability to turn the corner, even when he does win. It just, even on a couple times where he won, he beat the block. It just takes him so long to flip his hips around the corner that it almost doesn't matter that he beat the block, if that makes any sense. So I still think he needs to lose a little bit of weight so he can hopefully get a little more flexible. And if that happens with that same level of energy and power in his hands, like, yeah, you could start to see a guy that comes on later in the games 
that he can still play all game, but just later as people get tired, he can really start to show up again. Yeah, he needs to lose a little bit of a lot of weight. Uh, real quick takes on the Patriots defense. Anything. Give me one tweet. Patriots defense is not very good. Belichick makes them look a little better than the their individual parts are, but at this point in time, I don't see anything the Chiefs should be overly scared about going into New England next week. Cool. Awesome. Maddie, we'll bring you back on for the mailbag. Now it's time to talk to the uh, defensive analyst for Arrowhead Pride. Not going to make an age joke today, Craig. Well, I am because I'm younger than you guys on this day because I'm the only one in the central time zone. So I'm an hour behind you guys. Oh, that's how that works. Okay. That is how that works. That so ma- now ma- I'm the kid. That makes perfect sense. That I, <laughs> I, I, Everything in my life makes just complete sense at this point because of that. It's all about time zones. It is. It's always about time zones. <laughs> oh, well, you know who's changing time zones this week is the defense, Craig. How about that for a transition? They're playing New England this week. But uh, how about uh, what did you see about uh, the Jacksonville game? What did you see? Anything that they improved on? Well, uh, yeah, they just improved on a little bit of everything. They executed a lot better this week. Uh, missed tackles weren't as prevalent this week. There were a couple here and there, but really they had gang tackling, lots of guys around funneling to the ball. Blake Bortles playing against him helps, you know, with that long delivery. By the time he lets it go, the receiver's in a different time zone. And <laughs> But it, it helps to get one of those games under your belt, especially a struggling defense like that, to have a get-right game. The pass rush got home. The run defense was pretty good. The secondary was good. Even some young guys got some run with all those injuries. They were without five guys by the end of that that was playing on that defense and they still looked pretty good that's an overall win i think as long as those guys aren't injured for too terribly long outside of armani watts now i was talking to uh, i was talking to maddie earlier uh and it's just talking about like the young guys it's just crazy to see like the depth got tested and they're actually i mean they may not have the best numbers right now and they may not have like a superstar talent but it does seem like they have a little bit of depth now they do. They do. I, I feel a lot more comfortable with a guy going down and knowing what they've got behind them, I, especially at inside linebacker, because we might actually get to see a good coverage linebacker on the field for once. But at <laughs> corner, they've got some young guys intri- that are intriguing at safety. Jordan Lucas looked fantastic. We are driving the Jordan Lucas hype train now. He deserves to start. He deserves to get as much time as possible, especially as a deep safety. He looked fantastic. But some of the pass rushers, getting TK some more snaps, getting Speak some more snaps, that's good. That's, that's helpful as we go along this season, especially in a 30-7 to blowout where it doesn't really matter how they play. It's just about getting reps. Some of those pass rush snaps that they got last week, hopefully they serve them well because it sounds like Justin Houston's not playing. Uh, Craig, Frank Zombo's back. Oh, my God, Kent. I, you know, <laughs> when, 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 when the Chiefs cut him earlier this season – we all kind of rejoiced a little bit. Frank Zombo is a fine player that had been thrust into a starting role too often 
and we were done and tired of seeing him on the field starting games, playing significant snaps because the pass rush depth was not there or not healthy or whatever the case may be. So the moment that the Chiefs announced that they had signed him again, I think we all had PTSD flashbacks (laughs) to Frank Zombo starting playoff games, big important games for this franchise, multiple seasons in a row. We can hope now that he's just here for a couple games just as a guy who knows the system and can be plugged and played in if they need him. So, yeah, I, I, you know how I feel about Frank Zombo. You encapsulated a lot of what I think. Um, so the, the Chiefs defense is about to get another get right game with Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they use this unit. Um, with with some of the attrition that they've experienced like how are you feeling about trying to defend tom brady with the healthy bodies on the chiefs defense right now well i don't think that even if the chiefs were really all that healthy that they're going to defend tom brady there's not very many teams in this league that can really effectively defend tom brady especially now that they've got Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman and a healthy Gronk and Sony Michelle starting to come into his own and James White is always dangerous. This is the best set of weapons that the Chiefs defense will see this year where we thought that maybe it was Pittsburgh. It's this one now. They're going to hang a lot of points on the Chiefs defense. They're going to hang a lot of yards on them. They're going to beat them all over the place. The only hope that the Chiefs can have is getting some interior pressure because we've all seen that Tom can get the ball out in a split second and not allow the Chiefs' good edge rushers to get to him. We saw him in the playoffs a few years back. He completely nullified Justin Houston and Tom Baha Lee and just threw all over the field on the Chiefs' defense. I would expect more of that, especially if Chris Jones has to miss a game for being suspended (laughs) for trying to do a Macho Man Randy Savage elbow drop (laughs) on the pile there after after an extra point. That was so dumb. It was the dumbest. It was the dumbest. In front of a referee, you you just can't do that. I'm I'm fine with D Ford standing over Blake Bortles. I'm fine with Kareem Hunt, you know, getting in a guy's face, maybe yapping back and forth at guys. But really, you're gonna go off and do that? That's you're just asking for a suspension. Chris just wanted to get out of the rain. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. But the rain had stopped by then. He had no excuse. He just wanted to put his feet up. He knew the game was wrapped up. That's what it was. Hey, I got I got one more question for you, just kind of off the cuff here. Um, I'm terrified of James White with this defense. What can mm-hmm. they do? What can oh, they do to kind of slow that down? Because Tom's just going to throw it. Tom's going to get the ball on James White quick, and, and Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens aren't going to be remotely close. Well, and that's uh, that's the thing. If it's Reggie or Hitchens that is being tasked with covering him, Uh, it's not going to work for the Chiefs' defense. This is a game where I think we're going to see a lot of Terrence Smith thinking that he's going to be able to be a little faster and kick out into the flats against James White. I would like to see this as a Dorian O'Daniel game with his athletic profile and ability to cover guys like that. I think this game is tailor-made for that. But in reality, if the Chiefs play sort of a a cover two zone, try and keep some guys in a zone in a flat, they're going to get beat badly through the middle. Gronk is going to eat. They're going to eat. They're going to 
get beat badly on the outside as well. I don't think that a zone is the answer this week, despite it being what they primarily played against the Jaguars and looked good in it this week. But they, I think they need to play a little more man. And if that's the case, then yeah, James White is a terrible matchup for everybody on the Chiefs defense. I asked for a solution and Craig said Terrence Smith. Great. Um, I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I just, I'm throwing it out there. I'm preparing the people that listen to this podcast. You'll know you won't be as angry because you will be expecting Terrence Smith this week. I'm bracing you for impact. I just hope it's a door. I know Daniel. Uh, Craig, how about we bring Maddie on to do a little bit of mailbag? And now it's time to bring the whole nerd squad back. All of us are here. Going to answer as many questions as we possibly can, as many as Matt will let us by not filibustering all of them. Let's see how it goes. Three questions. Uh, at Cal- <laughs> Maybe one. I don't know. I, I'm going to ask this question, and I'm pretty sure Maddie could go for like seven minutes on it. <laughs> at, Calgary, at Calgary and Craig asks, who in the nerd squad could beat Breland Speaks in a foot race? I, uh, I'm pretty sure it would be close for me. Yeah, so I'm going to start this off by saying, how you doing, Craig? You're nice and young today being in that central time zone, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great, man. How are you <laughs> over there on the eastern time zone? <laughs> oh, it's getting kind of late, but we're, we're rolling still, much to Ken's dismay. Um, so on that note, do you guys want a biomechanical breakdown of how this race is going to go? Or Absolutely. A, or do you want a one-word answer? I want a 10-word answer and no kinesiology. I would love to see Kent and Craig race Breland Speaks. Why? Because I, I, I got to get my walker up to full speed to get going on that? Nope. Sorry. I'm, a, I'm limited to 10 words. That's all you guys get. Cliffhanger. Oh. <laughs> Craig? No, I definitely couldn't beat Breland Speaks in a foot race if we were running in a straight line. But the moment we'd have to turn right, I got him. <laughs> I think I can Love put it. a potato sack on and come pretty dang close. <laughs> a potato sack? There's a potato question in here later. Hold that. Hold that thought. Um, someone else, someone asks, uh, Chief DG asks, who wins in a foot race? Breland speaks Reggie Racklin. It's like a foot race day, I guess. Yeah, what is, who wins in a who wins in a foot race? We have between some those two? track athletes or something sending us in questions, but I mean, I think Reggie clearly wins unless it's in Mexico or right after a plane flight. Yeah, yeah. If he if he's if it's on turf, uh, Reggie's knee swells up halfway through the run, and then Breland beats him. Otherwise, it's Reggie. I'm pretty sure no one wins in that race. <laughs> I think the viewers win. Oh, we we win. That's uh, true. Crocodile versus uh, nose tackle. Ga- <laughs> oh. Crocodile. Man, we we're on one today, I guess. Like it's just we are just we're we're kind of something tonight. Um at Keith McLean asks, are you in any way concerned with the drop off in production for Mahomes the past two weeks compared to the first three? If so, uh why? If not, why not? I'm not concerned at all, honestly. Um, in fact, I think the last couple of weeks, even though the numbers haven't been um, very good, I think there's plenty of indicators in there to say this guy's for real. Um, even last week in the rain against the best defense in football, he still did some special things and his ability was just shining through still. So um, I'm, I'm not concerned at all. I think he's everything we thought he would be. 
Yeah, I'm with Kent there. Nothing to be concerned about at this point in time. Uh, I think his game against Denver might be the most impressive one of the season, to be honest, with just how much he had to do. The Jacksonville game, I definitely think, was his worst game of the year, but you have to take into consideration the weather and the team he was playing against and the fact that for the first half of the game, like any time the Chiefs had the ball, it still looked like the Chiefs' offense was 100% in control and could do anything they wanted to. I think Jaguars players said in the locker room afterwards that they were just getting whooped up and down like when they were talking about their defense versus our offense. So if this game was close, I have no doubt that the Chiefs still could have scored more points than they actually did. So no, I'm not concerned. I do think it's something worth monitoring if this keeps up for a few more weeks, but until then, not at all. Yeah, and those were easily the best two defenses that the Chiefs have seen this season. I, they, The Jaguars are just full of terrific athletes, and like Kent said, I think Denver was his best game, the way that he closed that out. I think we'd all be also talking about Patrick Mahomes a lot differently this week if he and Sammy Watkins connect on that slant or if he and Kareem connect on that uh, bubble screen out there because either one of those is going for six, and then all of a sudden <laughs> – they're in a giant hole, and Pat's probably not forcing the ball, trying to get you know a touchdown against a good Jaguars defense. So I think if that happens, we're looking at that a lot different. Our guy at Jacobs seventy one, Nick Jacobs. If you were a coverage linebacker on the Chiefs, who would you be? This was my favorite question because, of course, at first ever. I was going to go with Ben Neiman because I clearly looked the most like him compared to everybody else. (laughs) But then I thought about the question, and coverage linebacker doesn't have to mean just off-ball linebacker. It could just mean a guy that can simply cover. And I think it's pretty clear that our best coverage linebacker that plays is D. Ford. So this is just my subtle way to get to compare myself to the great D. Ford, the chief for the next five to six years, depending on the option at the end of it, and bring his name up in the podcast. Craig? <laughs> of course. Of course you went there. Now, me. He turned um, it into a D4 love fest. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No, if it's if it's me, it's uh Reggie Raglan because I'm I'm closest to top speed in him and coverage ability. I I think you have to have a coverage linebacker to uh to be able to compare yourself <laughs> to one. And as long as Dorian O'Daniel has gone missing and is on the back of milk cartons, I guess, you know, I don't really have anybody to compare myself to because there's not one on the field. Craig, uh, did you compare at, yourself to Reggie and not include the fact that you guys both clearly love beer? <laughs> you think that's a beer belly? That <laughs> or a baby. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's something. At, uh, at Ned Ewing 77, I saw Matt Lane's tweet slash wish about Veach making some defensive moves, in particular Hassan Reddick and Dayon Buchanan from Arizona. I would like to see Veach be aggressive. Do you think these players fit with what Bob would want, and who else could Veach target? So the target part of it, we kind of had that question last week, I believe it was. I don't know a whole lot of what's going to be out there that's available. I'm still just going to sit here and say I'd trade Eric Fisher and maybe a late-round draft pick for Landon Collins if the Giants really want to turn that offensive line around. But besides like any other trade candidates, I have nothing besides these Cardinal guys. And they both kind of fit. Buchanan would be very much a one, maybe two, three-year kind of guy if we want to extend him because I'm pretty sure his contract's up after this year. 
but he would be that yeah he'd be the prototypical third safety box safety better Dan Sorensen role that Bob's used every single year he's been in Kansas City so he fits perfectly there I've heard a few rumblings that he's a little bigger now than he used to be so his coverage might be a little more linebackery than safety like so that would be something to monitor but I haven't checked the film yet to tell you that for sure and Hassan Reddick would be a lot more of um, a developmental guy. Like, it sounds weird to trade for a guy to develop still, but he needs some more time to play a single position because he hasn't got that in Arizona yet. So if they traded for him, I think that would be more of a move for next year, which I think would be a great move, especially because they're not playing him at all, so the price can't be that high. So that's kind of what I'm looking at for trading for both those guys. Yeah, and some of the things that I've been seeing about Reddick is people willing to give up, you know, thirds and fourths for him that's that's steep for a guy that you're not sure if he's going to even play for you this year uh he's been getting a little bit of run as an edge defender for arizona he's a little small for that um he hasn't done a whole lot of off ball work for them either he's just a guy kind of without a home right now for them so i I think that he'd take a little bit of a shoehorn to get into that system but buchanan is a guy that would be a, a pretty great fit is kind of that dime linebacker role maybe that kicks Hitchens over to the Sam and you have that guy run the wheel for a little while and see how that works can't be worse than what they've got trotted out there right now Craig I don't have a clear plan for Hassan Reddick and I'd give up a third for him right now just because I really liked the player coming out I don't know if they have a, a perfect fit for how they would use him right off the bat but I really liked him coming out and He's got the Britt Reed connection. Britt Reed coached him at uh, Temple. I'm a fan of his, and uh, I, I'd try to find a way to bring him in and then just figure it out. But a third round pick, I'd, I'd still do it because you got three and a half years left on his deal. Where, so, where would you um, play him, Kent? Would you play him at Edge? I don't. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think I'd probably try to find some kind of role for him in sub packages, maybe replacing, you know, maybe replacing Reggie. I know that's where Dorian's supposed to play. I, I don't know. Yeah, they spent a third rounder on a guy already to do that. So I know. So I just I would, I lo- he I, would be I think, if you I trade think, for him. I think, I think it would can. have to be with the intention that he's going to become your weak inside linebacker, and Hitchens is moving to the strong inside linebacker. Like I think if you trade him a third for him, like he's not going to be in the perfect world a situational player. Like he's going to be a guy, and that's why right. it's, it's still a big risk. My question to Ken is, are you not worried that Wilkes, who was a defensive coach with the Panthers, with Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Shaq Thompson, can't get what he wants out of Hassan Reddick, and you think that we can? I yeah, I mean it's fair. I mean it's it's fair. It's completely fair. But you could you could move you could move Reggie to nose tackle. Um, <laughs> you, I look. I just I like the player coming out. I think he's got a little bit of juice as, as a pass rusher. I think he's just kind of a almost like positionless football you just find ways to use them in certain situations and sub situations um he's a guy i'd take a risk on because i really liked him coming out i think i think people are giving up too early on him um at peter y golf asks if you were a potato how would you most prefer to be served this is the greatest question ever so i leaned initially on thinking joe's casey's fries but I realized that was silly and off-brand for me, so it's vodka. <laughs> Great answer. I, I don't think I can top that, so I'm just going to go with raw because I really don't want to be eaten. <laughs> I, was, I took this question seriously, as seriously as you could take it. <laughs> I want to be like, loaded. 
I want to be. <laughs> I mean, you just took it places I didn't expect. Put uh, put some bacon and some cream cheese and some sour cream and some cheddar cheese. I'm not gonna make a me. joke. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> at at K Gumminger asks, who should be the next man up now that Laurent Duvarnay Tardif is down and how much of a drop-off should we expect? Who should be it? I actually think that Debbie's the right choice at least to get the start until he proves that he can't do it just for the simple fact that I don't remember seeing Wiley get a ton if any snaps on the right side. He definitely played guard and tackle, but I'm pretty sure it was both on the left side. So switching side stances as well as learning how to play tackle and guard just a lot for such a young guy. So I'm okay with Devi getting the first hand shot as long as he proves to be better than Wiley when they're going through practice. As far as how much to expect the drop off, probably a pretty significant amount. Like we've definitely run the ball better to our left side, but a lot of those have also come with LDT on a pull around the corner. I'm not so sure Debbie's going to be half as good coming around the uh, shoe like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's quite that athletic of a guy in that regard. I. I don't think that Khalil McKenzie can step in and do that. I mean, he's not. He's just not ready yet. So yeah, I think you got to stick with the right side. Go with Debbie, and yeah, make sure that you're getting Wiley tons of reps in with the ones during practice and see if you can determine if one of those guys can beat out the other while LDT's out. I like Wiley. Um, I don't I don't know if that's going to be the guy, but I would like to try to give him as many chances. It'll be interesting to see if Austin Ryder gets activated uh, this week just because, you know, I think that, you know, he, he might be next man. They just kind of keep holding Khalil McKenzie back letting him develop. I don't think he's going to be active. So it'll be interesting to see how they, it's going to be interesting to see who's active this week against the Patriots at the wild chief asks, people keep thinking that Barry's injury could be a break in case emergency type of thing. Since it sounds like it's more, uh, more pain management. Uh, Do you think this week could be the kind of scenario that due to the opponent, the injuries we saw at safety, uh, is this the week that they break the glass? I, you know, I would be okay with it. Uh, I couldn't kind of condoned that you can get him out for certain games this season and then kind of put him back on the shelf so that he's healthy for January. At this point, they may look at their win-loss record and say, hey, we don't need to gamble with that. We're, we want him for the long stretch here at the end of the year. But this is really the only game that I can look at and say, yeah, I'd pull him out to go up against Gronk and try and have him shut a guy down. But he's going to be rusty. I don't know that he's really that much of an upgrade over somebody like Jordan Lucas being able to spin down in the box or Eric Murray. Yeah, and the way things are shaping up this week, I mean, we've lost Watts. We're not so sure if Murray's going to be able to play at all. Shaw's probably not ready. And Ron Parker's Ron Parker. So, I mean, if there was ever a, an emergency to be had, this is it. So, unless you see uh, Leon McQuay brought up to the active 53 just to be another body that may sort of know the defense, like, I don't know what how else they would play this game without expecting Eric Berry to play at all. So, if he doesn't get out there this week, I think you're probably looking, I mean, at a guy that's not going to come back till the playoffs. And at that point, it's just been a weird way to handle the situation as far as this management. 
it will be interesting to see because I mean this is kind of a week the Chiefs could get greedy. Getting another game on New England, you got a game on on the Jaguars, and you got Cincy coming home next week. Like this is a kind of a critical situ like critical stretch here where they could just completely separate themselves from the rest of the league. So that'll be interesting to watch. At P Flum asks, uh, what did you guys think of the attitude and swagger the defense showed? Well, I I was really happy to see this defense finally embrace the personality of their defensive coordinator this oh my. week. Oh, really- <laughs> my. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fantastic. We, we, they've been soft for way too long under Bob. It's one of the things that I think is a legit complaint. He's, they don't have an edge. They don't have a guy that's going to come out there and make you pay for talking or running your mouth or trying to do late hits or things like that. This was good. They bullied a bully. They, they made sure that they protected their house. They showed some fire. Jordan Lucas had tons of energy. So did Orlando Skandrick. D Ford showed tons of energy. This is good. This, these are things that people are going to watch on tape and go, eh, we maybe don't want to mess with those guys. So more of that will be great. You get it out in certain situations. Maybe not this week against New England. They're not necessarily the type of team that's going to respond to that. But Cincinnati with Vontae's perfect on the other side, yeah, maybe you step up and show a little bit of fire that week. When you say mimicking their defensive coordinator, is that why D Ford got ejected? He made snarky comments to Blake Bortles on the sideline like Bob does in his pressers? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. Yes. It's too much snark. No, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I didn't like Chris Jones' thing. What he did was silly. If you're going to go all out and you want to hit somebody to prove a point, which I don't get already, just get everything out of it. Like get an elbow in there or go sue on them. Like, if that's going to be your move, get a stomp. Like, don't do this weird forearm smash on a guy laying on the ground that literally accomplishes nothing. So besides his, I'm okay with D4 trash talking, the big hit by Skandrick, even Kareem Hunt's little headbutt. It was after a big play, so you know where you're at in the game. But at the same time, like, I liked it. I like being a little chippy, especially against the Jaguars. I think if the Chiefs keep it up, they catch less penalties through it throughout the year. I think there is something to that. If you show that you are physical and trash-talking, refs aren't as surprised by it, so therefore it's more normalized towards them. So as long as they keep this up when they need to, like you said, not against the Patriots because I think they'll just feed on it more than get frustrated, but against certain teams like the Bengals. We've already seen A.J. Green try to rip off Jalen Ramsey's head before. So just find the teams that you can get under their skin a little bit when you start to do that, and I think that's a good way to go. Spoken like a true quarterback, I kind of think Patrick Mahomes, his energy, his confidence, his swag is just kind of carrying over this whole team. And I think this is kind of, I think Monday Night was galvanizing, like for this whole unit, for this whole team. So I think there's some of that too. Like I think there's just, like I think that was like an organizational shift on Monday night. So everybody's kind of playing with a little bit of different swag to them. At Chief Bearcats, our guy. Uh, with the recent uptick in reports of players being available via trade, do you think this is a new trend of teams being willing to move guys kind of Major League Baseball-esque? Or are reporters just getting more information more often now and it's always been like that? I think it's. I think there is more activity going on with some of these kind of trades. And I think you're starting to see some teams value draft picks differently and and are more interested in and trying to get some guys with some more known quantities, some guys with a few years left on their deal, stuff like that. 
I think we're starting to see a trend of teams trying to acquire players in the middle of the year. Yeah, and I, I think that they're getting unique with it. It's not just a simple draft pick for a player guy, and then now we're going to pay this guy and have him on our roster forever. Like the Rams were interested in Khalil Mack, and they were going to trade for him, sign him for a new contract, and then reportedly trade him after this season and try and recoup some of those draft picks back. It's, it's getting more unique with the types of trades as well. And then on top of that, yeah, we definitely just have more reporters that have more access to more people and more people that are willing to spill the beans, I think. I think part of it, too, is it's turning into less and less of an old boys club kind of thing. You have younger head coaches, even younger GMs coming in, guys that are seeing how active Major League Baseball or the NBA are in the trade market, and why can't you bring that into football? You saw a couple years ago the Browns getting Brock Osweiler just for pretty much paying money. They just wanted to, they took they gave away money to get him in a draft pick and little stuff like that you're gonna start seeing come out more and more. So I do think midseason trades are something that you're gonna hear more about. The NFL is a little different though. You only have a limited number of games, so to get somebody up to speed with your team's style of offense or defense and verbiage is a little more difficult than when you have eighty two or a hundred and eight hundred thousand games that the MLB plays. So it, it all depends, but I think you're definitely going to hear more about trades, and you're definitely going to see some more cash for player, cash for draft pick kind of stuff going forward. At Frank John 92 asks, with the presumed release of Eric Flowers, would he be a fit for the Chiefs? To my untrained eye, we seem to be pretty good at developing line talent, and he was talented enough to be a first-round pick. If you can get Cam Irving to play very well, why not give a shot for Eric Flowers if you can pay him a very minimal contract? I mean, I wouldn't expect anything, but at this point in time, you're almost looking at Wiley, and if you bring in somebody like Flowers, who at one point in time was considered very talented, that at least gives you two guys that can potentially push Fisher out at the same time that his contract you can get out of without spending a crazy amount of money. So I would not be upset in any way, shape, or form of bringing him in for a low contract, but it's also, I wouldn't expect it to work either. Yeah, he seems like a, a player that's kind of got a, a blemish on him now. It, they they ruined him a little bit. They ruined his confidence that he's just kind of a shaky player now, kind of like Cam Irving was when he came over here. Now, granted, they have worked with him. They found a, a home for him. But I'd say vet men or not much above that, then, yeah, I'm on board with bringing him in as a depth guy and seeing what you got at the end of the season. Still only 24. It's plenty of time left for oh, him to figure it out. Guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's young, young. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, see what happens. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, maybe some to your practice squad. I mean, the demand's not going to be very high for him. Uh, at Matthew Frischer asks, why has the O-line been so much better this year? Improved performance or is it more the scheme of the other team and having to respect Patrick Mahomes? All of the above. The O-line, I think, has been a little bit better this year. They seem to be playing a little bit better together. And pass protection, really the only major miscommunication I remember seeing was between Ware and Fisher. And Ware was somebody that was not around last year during the season. So now you've got Cam Irving's kind of worked his way in fluidly. They seem to pass guys off pretty well. And then once you get beyond that, I mean, Morse being healthy definitely helps as well. And then behind them, you have Mahomes, who's a wizard in the pocket and out of the pocket. And 
he just finds a way to wiggle away from any kind of pressure, and he always wiggles the right direction. If your momentum is bringing you to the right, he's going to escape to the left somehow, and then he's just going to stop and set up like he's in a pocket, even though he's five yards outside on his own. So that helps too. It, that's kind of about it. I think the threat of a run game and the misdirection that Andy Reid's been throwing out with all the weapons we have too definitely slows down a pass rush. You've seen it with Denver and Jacksonville. They're playing a lot more contained and then trying to rush in once they know they've contained the misdirection stuff. So that helps buy some time. But for the most part, the offensive line's been a big strength so far this year. Yeah, and teams aren't wanting to run twists and stunts and things like that, longer developing things because of the misdirection, because of the speed of the Chiefs' offense and everything like that. That's kind of been an Achilles heel for the offensive line in years past, but even when they are seeing it this year, they're still handling it pretty well. And yeah, Pat moving around, Pat being able to make something out of nothing and move away from the pressure has been immense. He's not turtling, he's keeping his eyes up, so it it makes it seem like they're playing even better than they actually are. Well, and the ball's been on time. It's been out on time really successfully for the most part with Mahomes too, and I think that's helping. You know, He's been getting rid of the ball pretty quick on a lot of the snaps, and then whenever he's not... He's escaping and he's finding good. He's finding good outlets. He's finding good ways to get out of the out of the pocket. So it's it's a lot of those things. You guys are absolutely right. At Derek Vreeland asks, I haven't heard people talking much about how much better the tackling was against the Jaguars. What are you guys seeing on film? How many broken tackles did the Chiefs decommit? the Jags game against the Broncos or in against the Broncos well in the Broncos game they had about 11 billion missed tackles and in the Jaguars <laughs> game I think they only had five it, it was much better this week much more sound even Ron Parker tackled better that should tell you how well the tackling went this week they were they were pretty good this week and gang tackling guys getting to the ball everybody kind of pursuing and gang tackling that way if somebody like Reggie Ragland misses a guy when he's having to set the edge after D gets a little too far upfield, Derek Noddy pursuing backside is able to make a tackle for a gain of one when it would have been seven, eight, nine yards. And it's, it's just good. They're, they're funneling to the ball better. Yeah, it looked like they were getting to the ball a lot better this game. Guys were getting to the players as soon as they caught the ball. The Jaguars thankfully were down a little bit so they couldn't just keep running it because they did seem to have a little bit of space with running but besides Terrence Smith I think almost everybody tackled well Terrence Smith is still Terrence Smithing out there can't can't do a whole lot about that one but (sighs) yeah (laughs) but besides him I mean guys seem to be doing I think the defense took this one a little personal they heard all week what a great matchup this is between the Chiefs offense Jaguars defense and how the Jaguars' offense, while not good, they're going up against this terrible, worst defense in the NFL. And I think they just kind of took that personally. Like, you could see guys were definitely playing with a little bit of an edge. And even more than just trying to wrap up and tackle, I think guys were just trying to hit, and it worked out really well for them. I still want to see some guys take better angles and break down a little better than what we saw in the game. But it worked for this game, so if they can keep that up, I mean, I can't complain too much. When there's there's plenty of places for this defense to improve, and they had some rough moments earlier. You're going to continue to see little things like this getting better over time. Communication will continue to improve. Um, you know, same with tackling stuff like that. There's there's some fixable, teachable things with this defense, and hopefully they continue to climb up the points per game allowed uh, list. Last one at Joshua Neely. Belichick is the master of defensive scheming. A player out of the game if you were bill belichick who are you taking away uh to have the most impact who's gonna who are you taking away 
Yeah, it, it's Travis Kelsey. It seems like that's the guy that uh, Belichick always tries to take out of the game. Now, they're a little more dynamic this year. Kareem caught him off guard. Maybe they try and key off of him a little bit too. But there's just so many weapons here. He's not wrong in picking one of Watkins, Hill, Kelsey, or Hunt. But I really do think that it's Kelsey. He's the guy that kind of is the third down conversion magnet. He's the guy that is Pat's safety valve. Ooh, never mind. I take it back. It's Anthony Sherman. That's who he's shutting down. <laughs> third tight end, Anthony Sherman. That's that's who Bill Belichick is taking out of the game. Well, now that Craig stole my answer, um, <laughs> no, it's definitely Travis Kelsey. For all the hype that Tyree Kill's getting, and it's well-deserved. He's an extremely good receiver, very dangerous at all times, but what you're going to do to take away Tyree Kill is still just hope that he doesn't outrun somebody that's in good position because he can still do that. Whereas Travis Kelsey's can hurt you all game long in every possible way. So he's got to be your main focus. You got to hit him off the line with somebody that's coming on a delayed rush or a different linebacker, then pass him to another person while bracketing him underneath. And I expect you're going to see that. Like Bill Belichick's not dumb. He's watched these last couple weeks when things get dicey for Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs need a big play. Like they're looking for Travis Kelsey first, or at very worst case scenario, they're using him to get somebody else open. So he's the number one guy you have to stop outside of Mahomes. Yeah, I keep cutting up clips of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like the last two weeks, it just keeps showing up. Like there's just been a lot of big moments where where Mahomes has hit Kelsey. And when I mean, you saw, you know, you saw him on that delay slant. Uh, to this week, I mean, he just he took he took Telvin Smith's soul this week. <laughs> it was so fun to watch. Like, who's laughing now, Telvin? <laughs> right. We and are. We are. what what are the Patriots linebackers going to do if Miles Jack and Telvin Smith can't stop Travis Kelsey? Like, what are the Patriots even safeties or linebackers going to do to slow that man down if he's as motivated as he was last week? For sure. Right. And the Patriots offense might 40 ball the Chiefs defense, but the Chiefs offense might 50 ball the Patriots. <laughs> it, it might be that kind of game. I think the over under yep. already crept up to like 58 or something like that if you wanted to go Ooh. bet on it. And I only have 100, 158. It's 158. That <laughs> sounds more realistic to me. Like 58 does not seem high enough for what we've seen from these teams. Yeah, I'm taking the over on that <laughs> for sure. Um, oh, wait, yeah, Kyle Vinoy the- says that Travis Kelsey is not a superstar. He's just very good at what he does. Did you guys see that? Oh, my. I, no, I did see he was asked yes. if, He was asked if Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are superstars, and he was, like, saying no and then asked someone to define superstar and, like, kind of conceded that, okay, maybe they are because they're really good at what they do, but he was not wanting to call them superstars off the get-go. So is this, like, a polite, a more polite version of – of Delvin Smith? <laughs> then I guess Travis Kelsey will politely cross him up in the middle of the field. <laughs> let's let's go empty and see what let's see what Kyle Van Noy can do. They picked on Kyle Van Noy. Uh Kareem Hunt ran past him on that seam route uh that that Smith hit him on. Alex hit him on. I'm sure a lot so, of guys have run by Kyle Van Noy in coverage. <laughs> okay, who wins in a foot race? Kyle Van Noy or Breland Speaks? Van Noy still. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for us this week, guys. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next week. Go Chiefs. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, 
seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.